Diving into everything there is to know about renewable hydrogen. This is Purple is the New Green, a Nell Hydrogen podcast, co-hosted together with H2View. Join us as we talk about hydrogen, the energy carrier of the future, already available today. Welcome to another episode of Purple is the New Green. I'm Lila Asdell-Danielson, and joined, as always, by my co-host, Rob Cockrell. As always. Yeah, I suppose you're kind of stuck with me for these episodes, aren't you? Oh, no, I wouldn't say stuck. That sounds very harsh. Pleasantly accompanied or something. Hmm, or something. At least I bring purple to the podcast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You bring the purple? I thought that was my gig. You know, Nell brand manager and all. Okay, what purple swag did you bring to the show today? Today, Lila, it's the socks. Socks? Yep, socks. They're pretty awesome too, see them? Huh. Well, much as I hate to admit it, I don't think I own any purple socks. See? I'm out purpling you. I did say I would a couple of episodes ago, if I'm not mistaken. You did. I clearly need to up my game. Yep. You might want to get on that before we chat with Bjorn in the next episode. He may not be your boss anymore, but I'm betting he still has high expectations of your purple game being on point. (laughs) True enough. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Okay, so Bjorn's next week. Who have we got on the roster today then? Today, we've invited the head of laboratories and testing in the Nell Fueling Division and one of the co-founders of H2Logic, Jesper Boysen, to join us. He's going to give us some insight into the world of hydrogen fueling, the history of the past couple decades, as well as how it's developing today. Ah, excellent. I've been looking forward to learning more about the Nell family and taking a deeper dive into the topic of hydrogen fueling, of course. I don't suppose H2View has had any coverage on the topic over the past year? Oh, you know we have. Admittedly, I think a lot of other uh, challenges or talking points have been making the big headlines this year. Think COVID-19 recovery plans, the EU hydrogen strategy, etc. But we've seen a steady stream of fueling infrastructure announcements in the background too. Just look at Germany where they continue to roll out stations. Yeah, I've seen that. They're really making inroads there. Get it? Got it. Very good. (laughs) So any other particular regions stand out in terms of fueling? Well, we've had plenty of updates from California, for example. That's clearly a hotspot. But yeah, we've seen stations announced in France, Japan, Korea, even New Zealand. So there's progress all around. And when I interviewed Shell Hydrogen this summer, I was pleasantly surprised to hear about all of its existing stations across Europe and California, as well as some of those stations that are still on the horizon. Wow, plenty going on here then. This sounds like a really good time to invite one of Nell's fueling experts on the line. Hey, Yesbud. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Lila, how are we doing? Good, thanks. Jasper, I have to ask before we get into the details of the company, where does the name come from? H2Logic? Because hydrogen just makes logical sense or? Yeah, you can say uh, H2Logic started out, you know, in 2003, when I was for engineering student at Aarhus University. We, We wanted to create some new business opportunities. And we've been working with uh, wind turbines uh, in, in Denmark for, for several decades. And, and being, being a pioneer in that, we saw the logic in that the next natural steps for wind turbines would be to produce the hydrogen. And I guess that, that, that was the logic we wanted to put in the name, that the H2 logic is the logic uh, choice for the future. 
So now that we've got that cleared up, H2Logic, can you tell us a bit more about how it came to be and what's the history there? Sure. So as mentioned, uh, we, we started out uh, four engineering students, Michael Slot, uh, Jakob Kroos, Thomas Luckman and me. And we, we got fascinated or we fell in love with hydrogen because we, we saw that the future business it represent both as a new fuel, but also as the possibility to produce hydrogen out from renewable energy that could really bring in uh, some good business opportunities. I was personally young at that time and, and thought, why want to try it out? So that somehow started out uh, the idea of, of having a company. We also learned that in Denmark, you have actually been working with, with uh, producing hydrogen uh, out from uh, wind turbines. It goes back to a scientist called Paul Lacour. He already in 1891 experimented with, with wind turbines that could produce electricity. And he used that hydrogen as street lightning in a small town called uh, Esko in Denmark. And we were like, what have we been doing for the last 100 years? Uh, it's about time we, 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 we move on. Um, so we, we started out uh, while we were studying. Uh, we didn't have any market. Hydrogen at that time were, were not uh, a, a business as it is today. And we've learned in school that you need a market. Uh, we didn't have any money to invest in products, but we had to believe that hydrogen could be the game changer of, of the future. So in the first years, we engaged ourselves in sale of educational products. We sold to schools, universities, and also did some consulting services and, and started selling various industrial products in the field of hydrogen. And this provided some kind of a basic for financing uh, some initiatives uh, within uh, own development and of making products uh, within fuel cell systems and, and fueling stations. You mentioned the connection with, with wind energy and that's really what sparked it off. And I think anybody who who knows anything about Denmark, I think one of the, the big things when it comes to renewable energy in Denmark is obviously wind. Is there still a big connection between wind energy and, and hydrogen in Denmark today? Sure, like Denmark is right now installing more and more renewable energies and, and Denmark in fact have a target to being a fossil independent in 2050. So, so we have, there's a huge focus on renewables and a lot of new planned uh, wind parks. And that also gives some challenging with, with how to use that surplus of electricity when we don't need it. So there's several initiatives ongoing on, on how to, to also combine that with hydrogen like our largest energy company called Ørsted uh, is, is involved in several projects also with NIL, where we are looking, looking into that. And what about the rest of the world, Jesper? Is, is there anything you would add on that? Well, you can say in general that there's, there's an increasing trend on installing renewable energies. And, and that, is, that is also one of the, you can say, uh, why, one of the reasons why we have an in increasing focus on, on fueling. So with more installation of renewable energies, uh, it would be uh, challenging with, with storing the energy. And, and beside that, also an awareness of fossil fuel needs a replacement of, uh, and, and we need to, to, to reduce the greenhouse effects. And that, I think, is also pushing the hydrogen fueling out in a way where it's getting more and more relevant. And further on, on, on the user level of the hydrogen, you see the fuel cell technology and I think in general, there's an understanding now that and an acceptance that pure battery electric vehicle doesn't solve all needs. 
it doesn't give the same freedom as you have with combustion engines running on petrol and diesel and um, where you have fast fueling and long race so, so so in short words you can say that hydrogen is becoming the fuel that can deliver the power without any compromise to pull you back a little bit to um, what you're talking about uh, in regards to Denmark and the target of being fossil independent by 2050, where are we on that? Are we Is Denmark on track to that? To be honest, I don't know the details, uh, but I know that uh, we're very ambitious and we are currently working on uh, on a project also in uh, Fredericia where we're installing uh, large, uh, really big uh, electrolyzer systems that would be installed at an oil refinery and, and that then can have the access to, to cheap electricity and thereby produce hydrogen to distribute out to, to several stations in, in Denmark. So there's an, an, an increasing interest uh, for, for fueling and currently we have what do we have we have six stations installed in, in De- Denmark operational and currently there's, there's two stations uh, under commissioning, uh, one here in, in Herning actually at our factory so we can invite our customers by and and have a fueling but also one in uh, Copenhagen that's being done together with our partner Everfuel where we will be fueling uh, taxis in a fleet. Okay so let's talk a little bit about uh, a little bit more about that sorry. So there seems to be lots of progress in Denmark as you just said and, and as I said at the top of the episode we see announcements all the time in different regions the hydrogen fueling industry has clearly seen a lot of ups and downs. Why do you think it's so relevant right now? It's it's relevant because there's more and more uh, renewable energy in the grid, and and that gives challenging reducing and, and storing that energy, and and then the the acceptance of that uh, hydrogen can deliver the power with any uh, without any compromise, like with with battery electric vehicles being tried out in buses, also trucks and so on. You see that it, it it just gives really big challenging with with uh, with driving and fueling, since it takes long time and and the payload of batteries is is very high. So fuel cell technology gives that freedom, and that together with the renewable energy gives some kind of uh, understanding that that you can create that link between the renewable energies and the users without compromising any needs. And then also that that uh, reduced greenhouse effects in uh, that requirement or, or uh, of, of how much emission you you allowed uh, that requirement is is just getting higher and higher so so i think that is that is uh, that's the reason so we're clearly seeing that there's a need for for hydrogen and, and kind of a spread need for hydrogen where would you say is the biggest market for hydrogen as a fuel right now what applications Hydrogen generally can, can be used more or less for all vehicle applications, but there are vehicle types uh, where battery electric vehicles cannot do the job and, and we need faster fueling, longer range, or if there's a high pollution from, from vehicles, for instance, from, from city buses in the local environment. So the, the obvious choice would be like uh, taxis, vehicle driving, many kilometers a day, delivery vans, city buses, trucks. So overall vehicles that drives a lot and need to be able to either fast fueling or, or long ways. And that hydrogen can help with. But also from a market perspective, you can say that looking at how to finance the infrastructure, buses and trucks, it makes good sense because with a relatively small infrastructure, like one or two stations, you'll be able to serve a large fleet of city buses or, or trucks because they are 
typically centralized or used in an environment or in a city where they fuel the same place. And they uh, use many hours, meaning they use a lot of fuel. And that helps the operator who invests in the infrastructure to make a better investment compared to, to a, a really large fleet of, of light duty vehicles. So, so that's currently the, the hotspots. That's, that's like city buses and, and also uh, trucks uh, and, and, and taxi fleets. Uh, but train solutions and boats are also, I know, on, on, the, on the studies. And that could also be interesting because their batteries can't really do the job. So here, hydrogen for sure would be a cheaper uh, alternative. And when it comes to light, ju- light duty versus heavy duty vehicles, um, where do you feel hydrogen fits best? Is it in those fleets? Yeah, you, you, you can say when, when we started out working with, with hydrogen, we had a belief in, in the car OEMs uh, would, would push out the technology and then the, 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 uh, spread to other markets as well. You can say uh, they've disappointed a little uh, since uh, they didn't pull out the vehicles we actually hoped. But there's a good market fit for for, for vehicles uh, like like uh, city buses and, and and trucks, no doubt of that. And then you can also quite early commercialize those segments compared to uh, to light duty vehicles, where the cost of the vehicle actually is much higher as it is currently because it's still a, a small fleet they produce, and thereby the cost is higher. You mentioned this already a bit that you know there seem to be some pretty firm camps in the battery versus hydrogen discussion for powering vehicles. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's there's room for both uh, technologies, and it's it's not a matter of yes or no, and it's not black and white because we we need to remember that a hydrogen vehicle is also a hydrogen electric vehicle, so it runs on electricity. The fuel cell produces electricity. So looking into the car, they, they, they look quite the same. Beside the hydrogen, uh, electric vehicle has a hydrogen storage and a fuel cell to generate the electricity where, where the battery is located actually as well as, as a hybrid, a small battery to take up the, the braking power and give, give acceleration as well in the cars. But, but a pure battery electric vehicle would probably be more suited for users where you don't need to drive that long or we accept the longer driving charging time and for smaller cars because if, if you need to have this the same driving distance in a in, in a small car you you would need some more space uh, and, and and payload because the battery itself just will be will take up more volume sure and I, I i mean i'm seem to hear this a lot about the the battery brigade as they're sometimes called that um you know the the battery infrastructure is very much there it's 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 there now it's far more advanced than hydrogen in terms of the hydrogen infrastructure scale up are there any technical hurdles to overcome or is the technology ready to roll so to speak on existing types of vehicles like light duty vehicle and, and medium duty vehicle we'll be filling either 70 megap scale or 35 megap scale uh, I don't think so. So it's it's a no. The technology and standards for fueling is, is quite developed. The mechanical interface to ensure you don't feel the wrong pressure in the vehicles, a method for fueling safe with, with good performance is already there and it's pretty standardized. However, for, for 70 megapascal heavy-duty vehicles, the t- technology is still under development. We need to transfer up to six times more fuel uh, compared to a light-duty vehicle in the same period of time so we we need new development and uh, currently NEL is active in an industry group where we finance and develop 
the mechanical uh, hardware for fueling 70 megapascals uh, heavy duty, but also the protocol to enable fast fueling so it's safe uh, and give a full tank. And, and this industry group is together with companies like Nikola, Shell, Toyota, Hyundai, and, and Alikid. So while we're talking about the, the technology, what would you say makes now hydrogen's fueling technology stand out? But you can say we, we are quite unique compared to others because we have all the design development and man manufacturing in-house and the key elements, how to deliver good products to our customers. On, on the technology side, we have our own compressor technology, our own cooling technology, and, and also advanced software and programming. So we ensure a safe and reliable and, and cost competitive solution for our customers. But some of the, the uniqueness of, uh, of our products is that we have the flexibility to install our fueling station. They like consist of different Lego blocks. I, I'm from Denmark, so we like Lego. And, and we're also trying to use these Lego blocks when we are offering solutions to a customer. So you can combine the different elements uh, in the station so you can customize it to the individual sites and needs. We also have a very compact dispenser that can be placed up to 50 meters away from the, the station itself. And the, the compressor and the cooling that's installed in the station module uh, and the hydrogen storage, uh, it can be placed uh, independent on the site that gives some flexibility when you install it on a very compact site like we've done in, uh, in, in, in San Francisco. We also worked a lot on certification. So we have our products now, UL in the US, and we started out developing our own compressor, our hydrogen compressor, uh, because we, we realized uh, when we started out with fueling that the existing industrial compressors is really not designed for, for the need of a hydrogen station where you have a lot of frequent start stops. So we started out development of our own compressor, which we're now using in our, in our, our station, and it's a diaphragm compressor. So we have this membrane where we ensure that it's physical separated between the gas and hydraulics because when you have a, a fuel cell in a car that, that uses this hydrogen, it needs to be very pure. So we need to be 100% ensure that we're not contaminating the, the hydrogen with, with, with anything from the station. Further, the, the compressor is designed for a very dynamic operation uh, so it can start up under pressure and avoid any kind of venting. And, and we have variable speed on it, so we can run it very smooth and, and, and for, for, the, for high capacity and with a good efficiency and long maintenance intervals. So, so that, that's for sure a, a, the heart of the system, our own compressor, which we're very proud of. And then we have a dedicated safety system where we have included the fueling protocol, uh, SAE J2601-1, which is a requirement for fueling uh, light-duty vehicles, uh, medium-duty vehicles. And, and this we're fulfilling, and we're also one of the first in the world to achieve, to comply with, with the standard. Uh, and we have a cooling system, so when, you are, when you're filling a car, you need to cool down the hydrogen in order to avoid that the tank itself on the vehicle would be overheated. So we have this unique uh, triple point CO2 system where we're cooling hydrogen down, and we have uh, a kind of energy reservoir with, with CO2 inside that gives a very high heat transfer and makes that we can make it very compact. And it also complies with the European and US uh, regulations. So that's some of the key uh, elements or, or you can say benefits that our customers would have when, when they buy a product from us. But beside of the technology, we also 
try to, to push ourselves in a direction not only to have the technology but also being able to have the manufacturing capabilities and design our products for assembly because that we also believe is the way forward bringing down the cost lead time and improving the quality and and that's why i'm sitting here today in in our factory which we moved into two or three years ago and invested close to to 10 million euros in in, in that in Herning. I was going to ask you about the uh, the big investments in the uh, factory in Herning, actually. So that led me right into it. Thank you. What can you okay. tell us about those uh, those big investments that uh, we've been making there? Yes. Yeah, so so um, we have now uh, close to ten thousand square meters of production and integrated together with uh, sales development and all the the key uh, functions when you. you for, for supply chain and uh, and all that under one roof and that itself make development very uh, smooth so we we can develop and design and integrate it uh, uh, very easily we currently proud that been working the last one and a half year on on a new test facility as well where we likely would have the europe's largest test center for hydrogen fueling where we'd have laboratories and an outdoor fueling area where we would be, be able to to test components, prototype systems, and and complete stations. So it, it's uh, very proud to 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 uh, we we have this this factory, and we can show our customers that we really really mean it when we say that this is the future. So keeping things on the positive note, what are some of your favorite hydrogen fueling facts? I think there there's many fascinating facts, but I can try to 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 give you a couple. Uh, hydrogen is by far the most energy-dense fuel in the world. And it's fascinating to think of that you can just put what what's equals five liters of milk uh, in, in weight, like five kilogram of hydrogen into a car, and then you can drive more than, yeah, 550 kilometers. I, I think that's, that's fascinating. It just tells how hydrogen really can, can be a game changer for the future. And when we are fueling, we only take around three minutes to fuel a tank in a passenger vehicle. If it's buses, we, we would take a bit more. It's uh, around up to 10 and trucks around up to 15 minutes. So uh, I think that that really uh, is fascinating to think of as hydrogen. And when you are using hydrogen, the only exhaust from a fuel cell is pure water. I remember we've had the fuel cell system of boots and so on, and, and I was standing on exhibition and we had this uh, fuel cell running and then we had uh, as a waste a drinking glass underneath so people could go through and have a, a glass of, of water and I, I drank several and it tastes pretty good. Maybe a product we should be uh, putting on the uh, Nell shelves or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there are some great numbers there, Jesper. Um, I, I wondered if we could just come back to the, the compression technologies for a second. Um, that's certainly been sure. a really hot topic at H2View uh, in the last few months. We've tapped into something with our audience there uh, and perhaps a bit of a, a gap to be met in the market. Um, just on some of those figures you were giving us, I wondered if you could tell us um, about the maintenance intervals. W would I be right in thinking they're up to 4,000 hours? That's right. That's the goal, at uh, least to, from, from a user perspective, to reach 4,000 hours. We have tested in our laboratories for, uh, yeah, many more than 4,000 hours. But however, the potential is there, and, and uh, it, it shows for sure that if you develop something dedicated and understand uh, the physics behind, it's possible. Even though uh, the molecule is very small and the pressure is very high, it's possible. So, so that that's what we have 
been doing and, and developing because we could see the existing technologies are, are just not there. Um, and uh, in order to, to do that, we've developed some new novel surfaces and, and new steelings and methods to reduce those wear mechanisms in, in, the, in the compressor. And, and that's why uh, like a test center is very important for the future because then you can actually test and validate your products before you, you, you put it out. And, and that has been one of the big changes from when I started in H2Logic. We moved from a project-oriented focus to being more now product-oriented. And I think that's, that's really important for, for the success of, of hydrogen in the future also that should be products and not projects we do each time. Sure, sure. And did I hear you right that it's 100% contamination-free diaphragm compression? Because that would be quite important too, I'd imagine. It is. Uh, you, you have a physical separation between the, the hydraulics that pump the membrane up, and then on the other side you have hydrogen gas. And actually the, the membrane used in the past were round, but we developed an elongated head because we thereby could have a membrane that could improve efficiency because we, we have less turbulent flow inside the head. But beside that also, we could have more flow. The cavity of the head, it's future, so we can, have, we can compress more hydrogen per stroke. But the membrane itself, the barrier there consists of uh, three membranes. So if one fails, we would stop. If you, after uh, running it for, for years, uh, would, would have a membrane that fails. So it's it's nearly impossible that you could have any hydrogen into your uh, into your hydrogen stream, and that that's again I believe we have that that compression should be uh, contamination free uh, and no no leftovers of of oil or any other fluids uh, in in the hydrogen. Wow! Yeah, that's fantastic. I wanted to pull you back to something you had uh, mentioned earlier about how, uh, in addition to, of course, passenger vehicles and taxis and buses, trucks, etc., there's also some interest in using hydrogen fueling for, for trains and boats. Where are we on that today? Well, from, from a fueling perspective, you know, uh, a tank is a tank. It's just a matter of the size of it and the pressure you fill it with. However, when that said, we, we haven't filled any uh, boats yet, but I, I know the business case seems uh, seems uh, interesting and, and there's a lot of activities going on. It would likely be, from a fueling perspective, it would be, we would be looking into a similar uh, application uh, like the, the heavy-duty vehicles. As I mentioned, we're starting this industry group where be financing and, and developing a new fueling hardware. So that hardware will probably also be used when we come to, to trains and boats, making up to six six times uh, faster fueling in the same time, so six times more flow. And I think that that could be an enabler for fueling these boats and trains uh, in, in, in the future as well. So here's a, uh, a classic H2View style question, Jesper. What are your thoughts on the role of hydrogen fueling going forward? Is there a particular message you'd like to convey? I, yeah, yeah, sure. So I, I believe it would be more and more important with respect to like the, the acceptance that it's a serious energy carrier and, and universal fuel you can be used in many uh, various uh, applications and vehicles. There will for sure be a, a push of new vehicles going out in, in increasing numbers of vehicles and users in the next coming decades. But with that said, I could also see that for instance, in China, they want to go in that direction and, and they can really easily take fast decisions there uh, if you compare that also to Europe. So no doubt that, that hydrogen 
uh, is, is getting more recognized as, as a fuel that can be used uh, for, for vehicles, especially light duty vehicles and, and um, medium duty vehicles like buses and, and, and trucks uh, for the future. I also believe that if you look into like from 30 years from now, I, I think it's not unrealistic that 50% of all light duty vehicles could drive on hydrogen. And that hydrogen in the future would probably create a lot of new jobs and uh, businesses, healthy environment, and, and also can provide new innovative vehicles uh, that doesn't compromise our existing freedom of, of transport. So on that note, you've probably already given us that, uh, that good overview, but we're just about out of time. What would be the key takeaways you'd like listeners to get from our chat today? I think availability on hydrogen station will increase in the future and, and all cars would eventually be electrical driven either by pure batteries or hydrogen electrical. And, and that hydrogen fueling really can be as easy and safe as a traditional fuel and that it gives the same freedom as many see today with, with their own gasoline or, or diesel driven cars within, without any compromise and local pollution, only water as exhaust. This has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Espid. Really do appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. So, Rob, there was a lot of great info there. Any thoughts to round us off? Yeah, sure. I mean, what a fantastic discussion. Great to learn more about the importance of wind power and that important link in terms of truly green hydrogen. And interesting to hear Jesper's thoughts on how the increasing political will and awareness, coupled with increasing renewable energy capacity, is driving forward the fueling movement. But for me, I love that line about hydrogen delivering the power without compromise. We know there is no silver bullet in this energy transition. We will all need to be technology neutral to a certain extent, but we really do believe at H2 View that hydrogen is the most robust, secure, reliable and readily adopted fuel to underpin this huge transition. As we say, we're the champions in hydrogen's corner, so it's great to hear Jesper's confidence in hydrogen there too. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're clearly all about hydrogen here. Indeed. Purple is the new green after all. Hey, eh, Lila? It is. All right. Time for me to go home and round up all the purple on that note. So I just want to say a big thank you to our audience for tuning in to this episode of Purple is the New Green. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to check out our website, nellhydrogen.com forward slash podcasts for more episodes as they're released. And you can also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to tune in. We'll be back next week with more Hydrogen Talk. Until then, thanks for listening.